get Stephen Cluxton this morning, Ashling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can retire. This is your future. No, re- no pressure. Thanks, David. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go up and uh, find out what room he is knocking the door. OTB AM. Live. Weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Gaelic football on Off the Ball. With AIB, proud sponsors of the GAA Senior Football Championship. Check out hashtag the toughest for more. I feel that it's only just to give Dublin and Kerry some breathing after last week so we don't forget about it and we're not talking about the Ruby World Cup and the Premier League returning uh, Connor and Kevin so soon. And it probably dominates most of the articles in the Sunday papers today. Would you agree? Yeah, it probably does. It's it, it's a very obvious jumping off point. The the inter county season, as we know, it is over, and the what you know what happens at at club level won't consume such uh, a level of coverage over the next little while because it takes a while to to get to the point where there's anything that might be considered of national interest. Um, and we had a Dublin Kerry final, and of of like the build up was probably justified because there was such significance of it on the line, and I think the 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 saturation of coverage in the week since um, kind of covers, you know, like Michael Foley's piece is interesting today in the in the Sunday Times because he broadens the thing from analysis as to how and why Dublin won uh, into how you could use it maybe as a sign um, of football when it's played at the highest level and the crisis basically that it's facing from an aesthetic point of view, from an entertainment point of view. Um, now I do. Th- I don't think the game last week is a fair kind of a testing ground for that. You know, like it was a very very wet day, and in that sort of situation, teams are always going to run the ball more because you can't play that skidded pass. You know that that kind of hops off the turf, and when that happens, it can be very very cagey and possession orientated. But I don't know. Like I found last week, I don't know what what you thought, lads. But I like I found it very sort of compelling at the same time um, but maybe that's because of what was on the line maybe that's because of you know we're so aware of the culture around the game I suppose the, like the the, the, the the test for all of this is if you know the alien came down from Mars or if you, you suddenly got a, a bout of uh, amnesia and you were showing the sport without knowing any of the any of the significance over who was playing or what was on the line like what was it subjectively entertaining would anybody say that for definite I would say I watched it pretty much as a neutral and yeah did find it compelling and highly competitive I guess the overall point is that the GA season in and in itself became it, it wasn't really must watch fair the matches weren't in un- football now in we're football talking. effectively yeah it, 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 what, the matches weren't unmissable and while the final itself was compelling it didn't elevate uh, it didn't go beyond and it wasn't a much hoped for much hyped Kerry Dublin final which um, kind of Michael Foley seems to su- suggest exists in the minds of uh, people more than reality. Finals between the two counties have not really been complete crackers over the years, maybe semi-finals. But he talks about some of the um, like the hand passes and the kicks and solutions for making football more entertaining. He exp- expands on a piece he did obviously with you in, uh, off the ball with uh, Joe earlier in the week with, yes. with Morris Brosnan and Colm Keyes as well. To There's a number of uh, suggestions there to make football a little bit more entertaining and whether or not any of those will be taken up in the next few years. We'll see. Yeah, I can't, I'm, I have skin in the game, so I can't really talk with uh, objectivity. 
uh, because I, I'm from Dublin, but I found it incredibly tense and utterly enthralling. Yeah, and I think both teams tried to. I think both teams tried to still. As play. was last year's semi final. Yeah, and like when was the last time we had a great All Ireland final? Well, 2017. 2017. That was the last great All Ireland final because you had it between two teams who fancied themselves to play man on man and win the game. And what you had was a one point win for one of the teams. So I'm not sure we're ever going to come to that that point ever again where two teams will say, OK, we'll go man to man all over the pitch. We'll back ourselves. And I don't think any coach, you will, you will ever have a situation where two coaches will approach the final utterly convinced that they will win on those terms. You know, without even, there was no even plus one that day, you know. But prior to that, I'm not sure how many great All-Ireland finals there have been. You had to go back to 2008, maybe there was a great conclusion to that final. 2011 was was, was great because of, again, the significance and how it played out towards the end. Um, I remember 05, Kerry Toronto thought was an excellent final. 05 was an excellent final as well. But what I'm saying is I think, I think they're, I think they're far more rare than than we by get their ready. nature finals. Yeah, are I think they are, tense. and I, by their nature semi-finals, hurling would be in the same bracket as well. Like you think back to the last decade, up to from twenty ten up to twenty twenty, how many classic? But they all nearly meld into each other. We had unbelievable All Ireland semi-finals. The finals did not live up to the same um, level of entertainment, but um, you know, like there's there's a lot of. There's a lot of coverage around today as to why Dublin won the game. I found this an interesting passage in, in Mick's piece in the Sunday Times um, where he said, the exhaustive analysis over the past week seemed to create a gap between Dublin and Kerry that felt larger than the actual two-point margin. Even though Kerry were level entering injury time, the width of a fingernail from victory. That's absolutely true. But what I'd also say about that is that, you know, Dublin, this Dublin team, more so than, say, the, the great Kerry team, um, or the great Limerick team or the great Kilkenny team who are really their only um, their only real comparable uh, rivals for the greatest inter-county team of all time the history of this Dublin team and, and the story of their greatness isn't necessarily the huge performances they go out when they tank a team it's the number of times they have been they've they've pulled it off when the title was on the line like they have once won so many All Ireland finals now by one or two points. They were three points down in the fifty second minute on a wet day with poor scoring the last eight. That was a huge turnaround. And I think the enduring the enduring legacy of the Dublin team, when eventually it's all done and dusted and they do finally um sail off into the sunset, is that, you know, that idea, you know, the American notion of a clutch team and a, a clutch player, when the chips were on the when the chips were all down and the All Ireland was on the line the number of times that they have held their nerve and executed the biggest plays isn't really uncanny. Haven't lost into finals since 1994. Uh, Pat Spillane, Wasteful Kerry have no one to blame but themselves. Dublin's physicality and their ability to translate turnovers into scores were key. Just some of the passages. Fenton's performance was the key in his eight previous duels against Kerry's Jack Barry. He was held scoreless in five, only managed one in each of the other games. Last Sunday, he had 31 possessions, scored two points and bossed the game from start to finish. And then he adds as well, um, there are several reasons why Kerry lost, not least because they surrendered three-point leads on two occasions. They just got two points from play in the first half and only one in the first 22 minutes. In the last 26 minutes, they could only add one more point from play. They won 14 minutes without any score in the second half, converted just nine out of 19 shots in open play. Their build-up play was too slow, too cautious, too often they ran into cul-de-sacs. They didn't utilise their kicking game. They were slow to shoot. 
it's in uh, for all the talk of a drab final and stuff like it, it it did really deliver in terms of box office names stars to the fore obviously Clifford had an David Clifford had an off day for Kerry and that probably cost him it's been highlighted I think by both Pat Spillane and Colm O'Rourke in the Sunday Independent that Kerry's greatest strength is their greatest weakness so if you can if you can somehow nullify him um, which Dublin I suppose successfully did even though he scored you know what did he, what did he two get from play and one three and set up one two I think as well so th- that's probably successful to nullify him otherwise he's he's scoring you know upwards of nearly 10 points and maybe adding adding a few as well so if you can somewhat nullify him and uh, bring your own big players to the fore then you're going to deliver and I guess for Dublin as well the amount of storylines the, the, the Desi Farrell storyline which is um, touched on by Dermot Crow in the Sunday Independent just all the stuff he went through you know as Dublin manager he he's he won in his first year but then all the stuff that happened with Covid as well he goes through it and um, he says the first All-Ireland in 2020 didn't earn him the credit winning an All-Ireland normally would do it was riddled with caveats public opinion needed more persuasion they didn't beat Kerry en route to winning and the All-Ireland final was soon forgotten the following April his lowest moment came with the exposure of the Dublin training session being conducted in breach of uh, health restrictions a PR disaster that led to a 12 week suspension for Farrell and later on the piece you know he mentions how the Dublin players such as um James McCarthy and Brian Fenton said they did it for Desi. So, like, as well as the Dublin players making history and uh, winning their ninth All Ireland title, was it James James McCarthy, Stephen Cluxon, and Michael, Michael Simons, Simons uh, and other players? You know, moving on to eight, uh, seven, and all the conversation about the footballer of the year. I think there's lots of debate about that one as well. There's it did deliver in box office terms. Like there were so many kind of star names to hang the headlines on, which is handy for us in in journalism as well because there's so many different points of entry to write about yeah you can even talk about Colin Pascal in, mm. in his own uh, guise as somebody worthy of an article you you could pick out so many and Clifford obviously as well um, is, is a case study in himself by the way Claire won the Premier Junior Camogie Championship beating Tipperary by 3-7 to 1-8 at Croke Park uh, in football Leicester have defeated Coventry by two goals to one in the championship the best thing I saw in the papers all day lads was this photo above Sean McGoldrick's article. I don't know if you can see it there, folks, but there's a few things in Sean McGoldrick's article which is lauding Stephen Cluxton, and rightfully so. There's a quote here. What is often overlooked is that it wasn't until 2011, Cluxton's 10th season and his 55th championship appearance, that he finally won an All-Ireland medal. And above that is a photo of Colm Gooch Cooper scoring in the 2011 final. It was early in the first half, if I remember rightly. Mick Fitzsimons, the face in anguish, and then Stephen Cluxton just in pained expression on his face as the ball went into the back of the net. Who would have thought that later that day Cluxton would kick the winning point and Dublin would have nine All-Irelands 12 years later? Amazing. Yeah, I, I read a couple of pieces during the week and it always... The moment in time, snapshot in time, it could have gone the other way, you know. But I'm always uh, sort of slightly incredulous now when people go to the bother of wasting words by saying that Stephen Cluxon is probably the greatest goalkeeper of all time. I think like that argument is is well and truly closed. The only question that's left is is he the greatest f- footballer of all time? And he can definitely make that argument with what he did this year. Like he had effectively a perfect season. He conceded one goal, and the two points that he kicked in the final were were absolutely off the charts. But going back to the piece that Kevin mentioned about Desi Farrell, you know, with those guys coming back with Jack and and Paul Mannion and and Stephen Cluxon. You know, you have to remember, you're, like, you're taking a huge risk. You're running the risk of not winning, you know. And what does that do to your legacy then? What does that say? And there was, there was a big sense maybe that if Kerry got another one, you know, had they won back to back, 
particularly beating Dublin in a final, which is not something that they've done since 85 or 86. Um, and particularly after the bit of the commentary the previous year that, oh, well, the Dublin team didn't have Conor Callaghan or the lads were away. You know, if, if Kerry had won that one, I think we'd have a significant erosion from the Dublin squad this year and Kerry would be going on to win three in a row next year. Clifford would have won consecutive footballers of the year, which he, he might well still do. Um, but the era would be over, I suppose. And that's that's what was at stake last Sunday. And that's why I think it was it was so compelling because um, it wasn't just a case of, see, can we knock one more out of this? I think there was wider ramifications for people's legacies and, and what direction the next few years are going to go in football. You don't think the year is over? I think the year is over for Dublin. Yeah, it is. But I think, well, put it this way. If if management stayed on and they kept, you know, erosion to the squad to a minimum. Now, I'm not sure where their motivation comes from for doing it again. Um, but I, I think, and I know, I know we'll probably talk about this. The season is now much shorter for inter-county players. So the commitment is obviously full on while they're there. But... Like one of the best things that Dublin did, did this year, and actually, Michal Clifford does a great piece in the Daily Mail where he he notes the nine steps that Dublin um, took, or, or nine nine of the things that they did well to win in All Ireland. Yeah, it's a great piece. Yeah, one of the things that he left out, um, and that I thought was a huge element to it, um, which is um, the way they timed the season. You know, like a lot of people didn't really get a sense of what was happening this year no. with, with the round robins until it was nearly also over. Mayo winning the league, yeah. Galway being so good, and for a team like Dublin, particularly with their age, um, with their with their age uh, profile and the players coming back and trying to, you know, f- find where they're coming, it wasn't about doing well in Division Two. It wasn't about winning Leinster at a canter. It wasn't even about, you know, beating Roscommon and Kildare early. All they had to do was get out of that group and peak at the right time, and the timing element element of it the fact that they can peak for those three or four games and win in All-Ireland would lead you to believe that they could probably do it again and I think the big question is whether they want to do it again You mentioned uh, Cluxton there's no debate about him being the greatest goalkeeper of all time and possibly you know one of the greatest footballers of all time is he is he 41, 42 um, we've seen Buffon it's mentioned by Sean McGoldrick he's Luigi Buffon has retired at the age of 45 do you think Cluxton has I, I definitely think he has the ability to go on for a couple more years He's he played a flawless final against Kerry haven't seen him make any mistakes his kicks are as good as ever 23 gathered by Dublin uh, and a couple of points as well a flawless goalkeeping performance and as well as that probably just the confidence he gives the rest of the group do you think he has a desire or like I'm sure he has the ability to go on but do you think he has a desire to go on a couple more years because if he stays on and Dublin lose two or three experienced players they, they still retain his leadership at the back and they still retain an awful lot of the experience that they need Well I think if management stay around there's a fair chance that the players who came back now more particularly Jack McCaffrey and Paul Mannion might stay on for another year and then Dublin are a very serious prospect The Cluxon thing is strange because you know I do think part of the reason that he came in or maybe the main reason that, he, that they invited him back in was that there was injury issues with Evan Comerford who had well and truly assumed the mantle mm. as number one goalkeeper um, and I think they were pretty happy you know like not that anyone's ever going to be able to step into Stephen Cluxon's shoes but like Evan is one of the best goalkeepers in the country you know he, he is an exceptional replacement um, for Cluxton you know with Evan back fully fit now uh, would they be just kind of happy to leave it there like it would be the perfect way for Cluxton to go out you know Um 
that was, you know, some people that I know that were knocking great mileage out of the fact that, you know, Kerry can never get revenge on Gluckson and some of these open players because they'll never see them again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Colin O'Rourke in the Sun Independent. Uh, Dublin almost have developed a culture which is communist in tone. The individual is completely subservient to the team. No ego is allowed. That's one of his uh, observations. The another one, Brian Fenton is central to this. He's the best midfielder of the last 50 years. So obviously he's better than Jack O'Shea if he says that. There were a lot of good ones in that time. He was brilliant on Sunday and he and Kieran Kilkenny were safe havens for players to pass the ball to, knowing that they would use it wisely. Some of the writing on Dublin and Kerry. O'Rourke was on form. I think he was enjoying both paying uh, Dublin a few compliments, but also kind of reminding them that, you know, Mead, uh, he's a Mead man at the same time. So he's thrown a few daggers in there as well. Just a few gags at Dublin's expense. But uh, like he mentions, uh, as does Pat Spillane, how James McCarthy, he believes, was lucky to stay on the yeah. pitch for the duration of the match. There's always a rub, isn't there? Uh, just a little one. <laughs> and uh, um, he says that Cluxton's. Uh, his return can be proclaimed a complete success he may even decide to stay on now that he has got a second wind he might end up getting his second me- his last medal in the same envelope as the bus pass as he doesn't like presentation functions uh, we have Kevin Byrne here and Conor McKeown on the Sunday paper review we're talking about Dublin and Kerry at the moment plenty to get through between now and half three uh, Tommy Conlon just a, a quote I liked here in test cricket they talk about building pressure on the dangerous batsman get the bowlers to pin him down with balls he cannot play until eventually cracks and starts going for risky shots to get runs on the board they may have been a parallel here with David Clifford in the last quarter Dublin had kept the ball away from him for so long that the pressure had built inside his head the result was anxiety in his normally immaculate kicking action the big squeeze all over the pitch eventually pay dividends on the player they wanted to squeeze more than any other on David Clifford and I thought there was a very nice piece by Mark O'Shea actually uh, in the Irish Daily Mail on Sunday just talking about his own experience and, and his own uh, sadness about losing his father in 2002 and Darren Moss's father obviously as well and they lost the Ireland that year and um, obviously David and Paulie have had a very difficult year losing their mother and uh, this just quote here that's why this week I'm not alone in this if the whole county could it would wrap up the two lads, their sister Shelley and their father Dermot in the most caring of embraces. And also from a footballing perspective, Dubs shouting from McCarthy should not deny David his just reward in terms of being named footballer of the year. Yeah, I feel sorry for David. It was just, just didn't go uh, his way last weekend. You know? It was an interesting one. I was, I was keeping tabs just on, like, like most people were who, were who were at the game working at it, just to see like how is it that Kerry get him the ball so much so I was recording every possession um, just with a little dash down on my, my notebook and after 22 23 minutes I had one little dash uh, and that was it you know so there is probably some there is probably some truth to the theory that by the time Kerry were actually able to get him possession he hadn't really found his flow now I think he finished the first half with eight possessions um, he'd set up a point he'd scored one himself he'd set up the goal um, but he was getting on a lot of ball kind of at the edge of the D with his back to goal and just shifting it off to the players around him which is really not the the areas you want to get Clifford into and then even in the second half he, he took that shot from over on the right sideline um, as we look at it from underneath the Hogan stand and you were thinking that's probably not the kick that you, you want to be taking to get yourself into the game you know but such was the kind of infrequency with which he was getting possession compared to the norm at that stage I think it was all he had to go on so it's tough like it's an interesting question this week um, if you take take out the, the, the sentimentality that Mark O'Shea um, highlights very very nicely as you point out you know like going into the final I think Clifford was miles ahead in the footballer of the year you know like 
so if you if you take his championship performances he played eight games he had poor games against Tipperary in the first round of Munster against Tyrone in the quarter final and arguably again in the final but the other five were man of the match performances but I suppose it, the question is what weighting do you put on the final and and how many how, how how much does the argument go against him because he had those but who does it go in favour of then does it well, go really in favour of James McCarthy then for the either? same great reason yeah so I mean, is it Cluxton and Fitzsimons then uh, well, yeah well I think it's Fenton Fenton yeah <laughs> like if it's the ter- for the third time yeah, if, 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 if sorry if it's not Clifford I think it's Fenton I, I still think the the argument for Clifford is, is almost overwhelming you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be inclined to shout anybody down who makes the, the argument that Clifford is footballer of the year because what he did going up to the final I think had him so far out in front um, I think it's a strange year that way you know it's very weird in, in the history of the footballer of the year award um, I've never seen a player get it after not having a good last game of the year whether that's a final or a semi-final or whatever but I think Clifford is a special case I think uh, if memory serves me I think Lee Keegan won one in a year that Dublin won the All-Ireland Andy Moran as, as well did Andy Moran as well yes. so, but, but both of them had good finals and, and good years and kind of they, they put it up valiantly to Dublin on the day uh, Colin O'Rourke writes about it as well he writes about Fenton he says uh, yeah with Dublin there's a freedom of expression for individuals which may appear contradictory Brian Fenton is central to this he's the best midfielder of the last 50 years and there were a lot of good ones in, yeah. in that time. He was brilliant on Sunday and he and Kieran Kilkenny were safe havens for yeah. uh, players to pass the ball to. Like Fenton stood up really hugely in, against Mayo, Monaghan and Kerry and Dublin got over the line and won the All-Ireland. Yeah, I think there's an issue with Fenton that he, he's so good um, and has been so good that unless he he totally dominates games, like he, he's nearly a victim of his own standards now. We don't see his performances as being worthy of Footballer of the Year. We see it as being less worthy than his previous Footballer of the Year performances, which isn't the same thing. And actually, the year that Andy Moran won it, there was a strong enough case for Fenton. Um, so, like, you could be in a situation where Fenton, who turned 30 or turns 30 this year, could be going for his fourth Footballer of the Year, which would actually bring him level with Jack O'Shea. But look, he's in that bracket. I'm not sure the Dublin players or, or people that are that close to the team are going to get too excited about Football of the Year anyway um, it was very much about the collective this, this season well after writing it off for so many years <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter like they can't, they can't. Well, this to me was a real legacy game lads this was a real uh, game for the history of Gaelic Athletic Association and since 1884 to me when I was growing up Kerry were the impenetrable force they were the Real Madrid they were the establishment uh, and they always had Dublin's number even in the 70s and 80s when Dublin won a couple uh, of years against them 76 and 77 when you're t- talking about the greats of the game you're talking about Mick O'Connell you're talking about Jack O'Shea you're talking about Mick O'Dwyer on the line you're talking about that team that won eight All-Irelands in, in 12 seasons between 75 and 86 and Kerry for me were always the the, 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 the team at the top and Hefo's Dublin broke that for a while but not really consistently whereas I think when we're looking back at the, back at the Dublin legacy we'll be talking about this team as these are some of the greatest players to ever play Gaelic football and Stephen Cluxton and Brian Fenton are right at the front of that yeah, James McCarthy too. I've done so. I'll do someone a disservice because I've read a few guy pieces today, and I forget who wrote it. But one of the journalists wrote today that we're probably likely to, in seventy-seven years, look upon Dublin. Now most of us won't be here in seventy-seven years, but we'll look upon this Dublin side as the team of the century. Yeah, 
Which is very possible. It's 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 difficult as I once again pointed to the the Cluxton Fitzsimons anguish when Gooch put the ball in the back of the net in twenty eleven. You just don't know what's going to change. I can't see Dublin winning the All Ireland next year. I have to say I've said that already on on on, the, on one of the programs. Who do you think is going to win next year? So I think Galway and Derry are definitely there. I think it's wide open, but I just feel that there was a Kerry eighty six vibe about this for me when Dublin. I just think. There's nowhere else for these guys to go in terms of achievement if Cluxton, Fitzsimons, McCarthy, unless they just want to keep on going back and do it again. But it's always not best to go out at the top because they just went out of the top, completely went out of the top. Mannion McCaffrey came back. Kilkenny was there in the final. Desi Farrell's won two out of four now and deserves great credit for that. Pat Gilroy was back. It just felt like this was the last go. Yeah, there's a, you know, there's a big thing in, in kind of, you know, sports psychology or, or, or you know... Um performance coaching you know they talk about what's your why you know and for Dublin in 2011 it was Dublin had not won an All-Ireland in 16 years that group of players was responsible for delivering the All-Ireland for the GAA people of Dublin the Jim Gavin team it became very clear that they had an incredible bunch of players um, a couple of generations of outstanding footballers and it was about maximising what they had and, and, and that resulted in them doing you know, achieving unprecedented and historic things. This year was about, can we finish this off? You know, that's what it was about. The guys all coming together. That's that's what their why was. So after the game, like nobody could say for definite they weren't going to come back because that, like literally there was no tomorrow for that Dublin team. It was all about that All-Ireland. It was all about this year. Um, so I sense that when they come around to making plans for next year, there will be a few that can't find their why anymore. You know, the whys are all taken up. And carry a huge part of the why. Like last year, they broke Dublin the semi-final. They're going for back-to-back. They are the most successful county of the history game. And there's a huge why for Kerry now. There's a huge why for Kerry to re-establish that dominance in the game as they lead with 38 All-Irelands. There's a huge why for the Limerick Curlers next year because five in a row has never been done. I think the, the why is it, it's a good jumping off point to introduce Michael Clifford's piece The Nine Steps to Heaven because the why is is laid out uh, very well here and it's kind of something we were taught in journalism school like multiple points of entry so if you don't want to read one reason or if you've had enough <laughs> go on to the next one you read a paragraph right I get this one but the nine points are making James McCarthy captain you can see how the players would rally and uh, and really push for him the wedding feast obviously James McCarthy's wedding there's a nice line uh, to intro it if uh, if the, his, if the story of Dublin's All-Ireland campaign was was ever committed to the big screen, not since the deer hunter would an opening wedding scene be more apt in setting the mood. While Michael Seminos c- captured the giddiness of a group of friends going to war, it turns out that James McCarthy's marriage to Clodagh O'Mahony last December managed something similar, albeit with a very different outcome. I think the story goes that Cluxton attended, did he? And it was, they brought together the old and the new, the, the experienced and the newcomers. And there was all these conversations uh, happening deep into the night with the Dublin players and the forged a plan and, and went with it I suppose next well, the big thing there is I think James McCarthy is the only Dublin player that's been married in the last five or six years not to have Sam McGuire at the wedding so they, they, you know, they, they, yeah. there might have been some sort of talking point about that as well Just um, I, I'm interested in your, your views on this Ireland Thinks poll which the uh, was in the kind of the news section of the uh, Sunday Independent like a lot of political opinions about Leo Varadkar and Marilyn McDonald and Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, all that kind of thing but when do you think the All-Ireland Hurling in the football final should be played? 49% September 17% August 8% July 26% don't know and I've no interest like that's, that's like a representation of the, the, the people of the country a lot of the mass appeal around the inter-county season and they feel they want a better tradition should they be listened to? Well uh, so what I would say about that is this 
the, there is no doubt that the All Ireland finals are devalued, and that a lot of the magic of the finals, and it is very much a magical, magical events. The two of them are gone by virtue of the timing, and because of the timing, you have this knock-on effect, um, where you know the middle of July people can't get hotels in Dublin. You know the national consciousness isn't as focused because the kids aren't in school, people are away on holidays. Um, it's just not the same. So yes, they are absolutely devalued. They were far better events, Irish cultural events as much as Irish sporting events. You know, like a lot of us who are that way inclined, you know, measure our lives in all Ireland finals. You know, you meet somebody from Donegal who's interested in football, somebody from Clare is interested in hurling. You could name a year, and the two you could yak away for an hour. There's something really, really nice about that. A lot of that has evaporated very, very quickly because of the timing of these games. So there's no doubt that it's devalued. But the argument against that is that you have to have it earlier in the year in order to provide a fair and equitable window for the clubs to play off, uh, which represent 99% of the people in the GAA. So anybody who advocates for one has to accept the kind of collateral damage to the other. Now, now there are other things to take like the GA were very you know to make it look as equitable as possible they effectively drew a line through the middle of the year there's the club half there's the county half which is fine but I know people who are over senior club teams at the moment who are starting their championships and and they've seven or eight players who are away on J1s or travelling you know whatever about getting used to the finals being in July we haven't gotten used yet to the club championships starting some in some cases in July, in a lot of cases early August, because people still do the things that they always did at that time of year. So I'm still not sure that it's the best way to split it. Um, and you know, people will get on and they get very angry and they say, "Well, if you if you're advocating for the intercounty championship, you know, swallowing the club championship, I'm not." But what I'm saying is, there's no doubt that the finals are devalued by virtue of the timing. Just before we go to the break. Why are the minor finals no longer being played at Croke Park before the All-Ireland Finals? Because if you've got a young lad uh, who may never make it in the game, to be able to tell their kids and grandkids that they played at Croke Park in a minor All-Ireland Final, uh, why is that being denied to them for the Clare and Derry minors this year, for example? It was basically taken away because when they dropped it down to under 17, they felt that it was too young an age group to, you know, for, for the thing to be taken that seriously, basically. That was yeah. the underlying reason, that if you're playing in Croke Park on All-Ireland Final Day, not only is there huge scrutiny and pressure on the players involved, but there's, you know, the whole, you know, it's supposed to be a development age group. But if you, you know, under 17, players are still developing. But when you have the carrot of being All-Ireland minor champions in Crow Park, the sort of, you know, the win at all cost mentality comes into it um, and it does, does it a disservice. But like, again, that that's a very good and valid reason. But. You, again, you can't take away from the sense there's, that it does There's got to be away. something because I, I like a pint, right? But I was just sitting around just drinking pints, bored on my tree, what, before the Kilkenny-Limerick game because you couldn't go anywhere because of the rain and all you're drinking, just... Drinking pints and bored. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, responsibly, obviously. Uh, 